Chapter 8 Before the most expensive meal of my life, I lost my appetite. It must have had something to do with standing at the entrance to the mansion without really wanting to be let in. The door opened, and a man studied me as if searching for hidden weapons. Dr. Carper invited me. I swallowed my nerves. I'm Paramoshe. He wants you to show me the necklace. I rolled my eyes and reached for the side of my pants, but there was no pocket. Lifting a finger for the guard to wait one minute, I removed my shoe and tapped out the necklace. The guard raised his eyebrows. He wants you to wear it, Miss Moshe, around your neck. Of course he does. Did guards report sarcasm? I put it over my neck and arranged my hair over the chain. Is it straight? Without a word, the guard opened the door to let me in and closed it behind him. Wait here. My entire house could have fit in Carper's lobby. Staircases trailed up on the left and the right. The theme was white. White marble floors, white walls, white flower paintings, and a white fluffy dog who barked at my heels. I petted the dog, and it settled down at my feet, wagging its tail. I clasped my hands together. The sound echoed in the quiet lobby. How could someone so terrible live in a nice place like this? The dog was content, the white walls cheery. Carper had built his own happiness while the warriors killed. Some king. Lovely, isn't it? Carper stepped into the room and admired the view of his own home. Very white. I bit my lip. I'll show you the rest. He motioned for me to follow. Every room looked the same, with expensive furniture, dull art, and white walls. The sewing room happened to be pink. At every turn into another room, I expected to see Mom sitting at a piano, standing over a chopping board, ironing clothes, hitting a tennis ball. Was she even here? I felt disengaged, as if I hadn't entered into an enormous house with a man who treated me like a visiting family member moving in for the summer. Carper led me into a bedroom with a vanity, an open bathroom, and a view of the city. Here's where you'll get ready, he said. Someone will bring your dress. He pointed to a corner where a guitar stood on a stand. I heard you play. Bring it with you to dinner. He turned away. That was it? Carper? He glanced back, an eyebrow raised. I opened my mouth, but nothing came out. Carper put his hands in his pockets. I took your mom, forced you away from your home, and into a wall. You wonder why you're here and why I'm treating you like royalty. Yep, that summed it up. On planet Oregano, or whatever it was called, I was a royal prisoner. I'm not telling you anything. Carper shut the door. I moved over to the bed and sat down. The mattress sunk just right. It was more comfortable than my own at home. What would I need to do to stay in a room like this? Wow them with my guitar? I picked up the guitar and whistled low. It was a Martin D-28, solid spruce top. I strummed a C chord. A sweet sound met my ears. I closed my eyes. Only days ago, I'd played in my closet, but it felt like years. Home. Did Dad pace at the kitchen window? Did Henry wonder why he let me go? Keeping my eyes closed, 
I played through the chord progression I'd created in my closet when I had the vision of Mom. If I sang it again tonight, maybe Mom would hear, and it would take us home. A soft rap on the door stopped me. I set down the guitar. Come in. The door opened. Draped over a woman's arm was a black sequined ball gown with so much poof that I couldn't see her face. You mean I'm supposed to walk in that thing? At least it wasn't white. I wanted nothing implying that I'd be getting married. The woman moved around me and threw the dress on the bed. I touched the velvet form-fitting top, deciding whether I should gag or be excited to dress up. I look like a poodle. Tears dripped from the middle-aged woman's face. Are you okay? She nodded her head and her mouth quivered. I saw, really saw her then. The way her black hair hung down around her shoulders, the precise line of her nose so familiar, the freckles along her cheeks in the exact place I imagined. Mom? My breath caught. She nodded. I sat on the bed, my legs refusing to support me. Mom was here. My vision blurred, then cleared. My body hung heavy like an anchor in the sand. She moved toward me. Don't ruin your dress. I stood up. All moms had to have said that at least once to their daughters. I'd waited for this moment my whole life, and now that it was here... Should we hug? She sniffled and wiped her face with her sleeve. I'd like that. Mom brought her arms around me and squeezed, weeping over my shoulder. As my arms wrapped around her slender frame, I waited for a magic connection to happen. Something that would shift inside to show that my life was now complete. Yet I felt nothing but a woman's tears and a thud of frustration. Crying was a good thing, right? It meant she had feelings and wouldn't hurt or hate me. She loosened herself from the embrace. I spotted a box of tissues on a bedside stand and offered one. Thanks, she blew her nose and laughed. I'm a complete mess. Nah, you're beautiful. She snorted. You're beautiful. I mean, gosh, Para, look at you. You're a grown woman. She touched my hair. Your hair is so long. Did you ever let your dad cut it? I smiled. Mom hadn't seen Dad in 14 years. Did she still love him? How is he? She asked. What did she want to hear? That Dad hid me well, just as she'd asked? He's waiting for you. Her drawn expression seemed pained. Well, I said, he's waiting for two now. We'd go back home. I had Mom. Mission accomplished. Who cared if I had two conflicting tasks? I was done. Onward to. Mom grabbed my hand and led me to sit on the bed. We're sitting on the dress, I said. I don't care. Neither did I. Not really. All I wanted was to hear what Mom would say, to eat up her words and try to make sense of what had happened and what was next. Pero, we have little time before the party. Carper let me see you only for a moment. She checked the clock on the wall, then sighed. I want you to know that I still love you and your dad very much, and I want to return with you and be a family again. She watched me as if waiting for approval. I want you to return. If Carper gave you back your necklace, we could leave now. Mom let go of my hand. 
Has anyone mentioned our family connection to the Lasaris? I nodded. My friend Henry did. Elohim sent him to find me. Mom's eyes widened. You know Henry? He's a wonderful, handsome young man. And Mom was such a mom. He's cool, I shrugged, for a bodyguard. Mom gave me a curious look. Listen, Pero, I'm the chosen Lasari. I was told that I am too. Yes, Mom hesitated. I can't explain it all right now, but I need you to trust me. Carper wants power to strengthen him. If you have that power, he'll keep you. If you don't, well, we need to hide before he gets rid of us. You mean kill? Mom grimaced. Possibly. Why can't we leave now? Because we need a plan. Running fast impressed Carper. That's why he invited me to dinner. You being in the courtyard was an initial test to see how you'd respond in a pressured situation. You saw me? Was I embarrassed or pleased that Mom was in the audience? I heard you were faster than anyone they'd ever seen, but I don't think that running fast is a prophesied gift. If you're one of the chosen, Mom said, Carper and I will know because we're all connected. Mom pulled out her necklace, and I pulled out mine. Carper has the third, she said. But the Lasari's leader, Shia, told me Carper isn't the third chosen. Mom shook her head. Carper's not a descendant of Abram, and there has been no specific gift he's shown that's drawn our power together. But if he wasn't the third out of three prophesied, who was? Mom glanced at the clock. We'd better get you ready. Have a seat at the vanity and I'll brush your hair. I sat and watched as Mom grabbed the brush and worked on my tangles. I dreamed of a moment like this when my mom would brush my hair. I savored how it felt. Gentle, kind, and somewhat painful. I grimaced when she yanked on a knot. Am I hurting you? She asked. Not at all. I can't believe you're here. I never thought this day would come. Mom wiped at her face with a wadded tissue. Once Carper found out about my gifts of fighting with the staff, he sampled my blood to create plants with the ability to cure. He became famous, and it drew more people to his strength. Enough followers to grow a city. Carper is who he is because of me. If I were to leave, his potential power would weaken. But if you really are one of the chosen, then his power may increase. He'll want to use your blood for his inventions. We're not free of him until Moon City is destroyed. But I'd rather see us get away before that happens. Even then, she might not be free if Carper became king. If I saved Carper from destruction, what would it mean for our future? Mom stopped mid-stroke and looked at me in the mirror. I could stay in that moment for a long time. Mom was alive and brushing my hair. Will we make it back? I asked. Mom set my hair over one shoulder. It hadn't ever shone as brightly. I don't know. She kissed the top of my head. I studied myself in the mirror. Who should I trust? If I followed Jimmy's request to destroy Carper, I could die. If I followed what Mom wanted and hid, we could get caught. But if I followed Shia's advice and saved Carper, he could hold me captive. I held onto the pendant. Mom? It was strange to call her name, knowing she'd respond. Yes, Peril. What does the word mean? I held out the necklace. 
on the back. Her smile grew. Koak, strength. Through the prophet Isaiah, Elohim said, My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The islands will wait for me, and they will trust my arm. Mom knelt so that we were face to face. Koak means to trust in Elohim, not to hope that we will be saved, but knowing that by his strength, we will be. I held it up. Why a feather? As we wait for Elohim's strength, we will rise with wings like eagles. The eagle I'd seen must have been a symbol. Maybe it was Elohim's way of showing me he was real. I tucked it into my shirt. I wanted to wear it, to feel Elohim's power against my chest and let the words soak through my skin. Koak, koak. Mom beamed. That's why we named you Pero. Your dad wanted to name you after an interesting root word from the English language. Mom chuckled. And I wanted to remind us that no matter what happened to me in the future, Elohim would watch out for you and bring you koak. My eyes flickered to the guitar and back to my reflection. By the strength of someone I didn't fully understand, I'd sing.